Amen, amen. Well, I want to get right into the Word of God. And my text will be in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10. I have a very short reading. But Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments, garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decked himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Amen, amen. This morning, I want to preach to you a new robe for your new man. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and ask God to reach down and touch us? God wants to do something. Let's let him have his way this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Savior. God, I thank you for your plan, your touch in this house. God, I ask you to do your work. God, do your way, God. I want to yield myself to you. I'm just a man. I'm just a simple man, God. Give it unto you, Savior. God, I submit myself to your plan, your will. Touch us in this house this morning. We thank you. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Oh, he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. If you're going to help me this morning, you may be seated. There is that feeling when you have a new outfit on or something new that has been provided to you. And a gift, or you go out and buy it yourself. There is that feeling when you put it on. And I remember as a young man getting a pair of brand new white cotton socks. And in my mind, it felt like I was walking on the best. And you see something new, and it appeals to you, Brother Hilton. And you're like, ooh, I like that. It's the allure of something new. And this morning, God is wanting to reach out and touch someone and let you see what you could have if you will just surrender. If you remember the first day of school, in which I don't understand as a parent now, I don't understand, it seems like no clothes seem to fit, I guess, on the first day of school. you got to go out and do this mega shopping trip and drag bags after bags when they have no tax, going back to school sales and for whatever reason, I guess no one's clothes fit on the first day of school. You have to have the new shoes, the new clothes, the new kicks, the new everything about you has to be new. And you're trying to convince everybody around you that you're something special, but really, you're just the same kid that came back for the next year. You just put something else new. Nothing changed. As a parent, in the process of raising four out of my five, I guess I don't know what you would call them, golflings or whatever it is. I hate to tell, call my adult kids. They're over 18, but that's what they are, I guess. And as you have children raising and raising them in your home and you begin to purchase clothes for them, and as an adult, you're hoping that they will be able to go through several other kids children before it's finally worn out i remember a time we were on a family vacation and we were driving through up by the mountains of montana and we stopped in a gift shop and we wanted to buy a few things and so we bought uh, the kids Haley and janessa a t-shirt and what i thought was just buying it a little extra big for a 10 year old turns out 
She can still wear it as an adult. And you think some things should really wear out. I don't, maybe it's because she's just a couple inches shy of a legal midget. I don't know. Um, we give them a hard time about that. And it's going to look awkward when the twins get older and then we have a family photo and everybody's going to be resting their hands on their heads because they will be the shortest people in the family. But we love them nonetheless. Amen. And so God has given us this opportunity to, as I read in my text, and, and God has given us example after example and promises through as we read the prophet Isaiah as he begins to pen some scriptures, and we'll get more to that later. But there was a principle, there was actually a law that was laid down in the Old Testament, and it was written that the Israelites were not to take from their neighbor and expect them to endure uh, their, through their own necessity without having the possession that a neighbor had taken from them. And the example that's given is you are not to go and take a possession of their raiment and keep it overnight. In Exodus chapter 22 and verse 26, it says, if thou, at all if thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down. For that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin. Wherein shall he sleep? The questions asked. And it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. You see, God was letting them know, listen, it's a part of the ecosystem, that the church family, the body of Christ, the children of Israel, it all goes hand in hand. We are not to take from one another and leave one another without and leave them in a time of need. We are not to take something away from them, Brother Seeley, and say, I, it's a necessity for me, and thus it's more important that it's applied to me versus you. And you sit there cold, shivering in the night. If you have, have a pet or anyone that's cold nature, you see them shivering or throwing on layers, and it's something inside of you wants to go, hey, would you like a blanket? Or you have a, a pet, or maybe a dog, or something gets up on your lap. You want to cover them up if they're cold. And It's our nature to take care of something like that, to address the need. We apply a covering. It is the nature of God in our time of need to do the very same thing. It is not within his nature to turn a blind eye to anyone this morning that's hungry, desiring something more, and for him to say, today is not your day. Instead, he is saying, this morning, this very moment is your day. It is a day that he has made, created so you may find salvation or saint of God that you may find victory or peace or comfort in your storm. The source of nakedness is found all the way back in Genesis and we find that sin removes one's covering. And let's all go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And there we will find Adam and Eve walking through the garden, tending to it. And sin was not present. It wasn't there. But then they committed sin. And all of a sudden, they were now aware of their nakedness. But it was because of sin. And they grabbed what was near to them. And it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, And the eyes of them both were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. 
The interesting thing to take from this is that sin will place a necessity on you for something that God never intended. The covering of sin has an appeal. However, once applied, it is a heavy, heavy burden. Instead of actually providing a covering, it instead reveals you. It shows how vulnerable our humanity is to the tricks of the devil. There may be addictions, loss of control of your emotions, language, actions are all a false front. It's like walking through the movie set. Uh, Brother Hilton, you go out and you go out in California and you have those places. I remember going as a young child with some family members and they show you, oh, this looks great. But then you realize it's nothing like what it appears when they see the final cut. Doorways are smaller. Buildings are just a front. And in sin... It's just a covering that you think conceals you. But instead, you walk every day revealed. Because you know why? You're wearing unhappiness. You're wearing torment. You're wearing things that you cannot mask. You may think they're deep within me. And I have everything under control. But God has given us the ability to find His peace. And know that He is a refuge. And those that find peace, all you have to do is look upon the face of those that do not know who Jesus is. And you'll say, you don't have what I have. But you don't say it looking down. You say it because, hey, I know somebody who can cover you. I know someone who will hand you something that will give you a new robe for your new man. I can reach, introduce you to someone that you want to meet. He's the one who will reach down and no matter what's going on in your life, fix it. We can say, and Bishop said it so very well on Tuesday night, about how we can blame everybody else but ourselves. A few things that ran through my mind. It's because of Adam and Eve and their sin that we can blame them for a few things. And it's by no means a stretch of the truth. Because of their necessity for clothing, we now have clothing that has evolved all through history. Different, I guess you could say, fashions or fads or designs. And I thank God that I don't have to wear knickers and a wig and Ruffled collars, even though some of you probably did at your wedding in the 70s. I'm not going to judge, but I'm just going to make a point. But there's things that if you would just allow your imagination to wonder, and don't wonder too deep because I'm going to say some things that you don't want to flash back up in your head. But we can blame Adam and Eve for spandex. Because if we didn't need clothes, spandex never would have evolved. People of Walmart, you never had flannel PJs, Crocs or flippers, house shoes. They started off with fig aprons or fig leaf aprons and now all of a sudden things have evolved and it just keep, keeps getting further and further away from what it started as you can blame them for all of those things and you can say well they're the ones who sinned and so they're the reason i am what i am and you know what it's out of your control you can't blame anyone else but yourself the bible tells us that we were born into iniquity conceived in sin job makes that proclamation it's out of our control you're here you have breath and a heartbeat so be it but god gives us instructions in isaiah 
there's a passage that describes the true nature of man, and we'll get to it here in just a moment. The comparison that he makes is to the individual that touches a dead animal and violates the law of Moses. And he's letting it say, listen, you are unclean. In Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 2, or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of an unclean cattle or the carcass of an unclean creeping thing, or if it be hidden from him, he shall he shall he also shall be unclean and guilty. So he makes this very clear um, what they're talking about in the law that Moses had given him, God had given unto him. Don't touch the things that are unclean because that in turn makes you unclean. Now that tells me I have to keep my distance from some things, right? That means that if I walk on the woods and and brother self, that I doubt you've ever done this, but if you walked in the woods and found a dead deer that you did not shoot, that had been there no doubt for quite a while, you never walked up and said, oh goody, I don't have to hunt, I found a deer. We know that that's not a good situation. We know that that's not the choicest. That's not what you have done all this research for. That's not why you have spent 10 or $20 on hunting equipment throughout your life. And, and, you know, she'll hear this eventually, so $20 at the most. And uh, you didn't do all that just so you could go pick up a dead deer that maybe somebody else shot that they couldn't find. But you're willing to put the work, but that deer you're going to keep your distance from. You don't know what disease it has. And what the Bible's telling, listen, keep your distance from the things that are dead. You're not to find an animal that's dead in the forest, in the wilderness, and pick it up and eat it. It says, leave that for the dogs. That's not suited for you so that's you keeping your distance from an object but Isaiah chapter 64 goes into another passage of scripture that I'd like for us to take a look at here and we won't spend a lot of time on it but I would like to point something out in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 it says but we are all as un- an unclean thing and all our righteousness righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquity or our laws lawlessness like the wind have taken us away in psalms it describes this and gives us a little bit better and talking about what i referenced a moment ago about in job it says though in psalms 58 and verse 3 the wicked are estranged from the womb they go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies we are all born into this life and no matter what your mom and daddy tells you you're just a sinner you're not perfect you're not an angel there's nothing special about you you're just a human being and they're trying to raise you to the best of your their ability the entire world entered a life of sin all because of adam and eve it is 100 percent unavoidable It is nothing that you can say or do. I can tell you from my experience, I did not have to be taught how to lie. I remember the first time that I told my mother a lie. And she addressed it appropriately, so much so that I still remember it today. I was walking out of our house at 315 Cornell in Bonner Springs, Kansas. Had a pocket knife in my back pocket. 
and I had put it there. I'd been given it as a gift. It was a little bitty, innocent, barely had a blade on it. But I was going out with my older brother and his friends in the neighborhood. But I was going to be, I think I was four or five years old. Back in the day, that was Mayberry. We just went everywhere at the time. And we, I was walking out the door, and she says, what do you have, Douglas? I said, nothing. She says, tell me what you have. Oh, I ain't got nothing. Well, she starts going through my pockets and finds that little pocket knife that I still have to this day slipped in my back pocket of my jeans. And I wish I'd have put a bunch of books back there in preparation for that lie. But I had something happen to me that has stuck with me, Brother Hilton, for, well, I was probably about 38, 39 years ago that this happened. It stuck in my memory. I also remember another time that I decided to do something and tell another lie, and it fixed it for me. I can still taste soap in my mouth. Just the smell of certain soaps. You're like, no, nope, not washing that mouth out again. There are things in your life that happen that stick with you for a lifetime. Sin is very much the same way, but God has a fix for all of it. He can make it to where it's just a faint memory upon your account. He will never say, remember when you did this. If anything, he'll say, remember when I washed everything away and I made you a new man. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. I don't want to beat this into the ground, but I'm trying to make the point. There is no exception in this house this morning. We have all sinned. Without his presence, we're just a sinner. But when he reaches down and touches us, it makes us something different, something new and fresh. Now, I want to go back, if I can, if we could put Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 back up on the wall. We can glance through this scripture, but there is a little bit of a deeper meaning. And I talked a moment ago about not touching the unclean thing, and that is upon us, keeping our distance and you can be pretty proud about yourself by not touching things that are unclean or filthy. You can be proud of yourself about how I don't, I pride myself on being a clean freak or I have um, uh, natures where I want to clean everything. And you can be that way and you can clean the things around you, but you cannot clean yourself. You cannot cleanse the inward man. In this verse of scripture, it says, but we are all as unclean and unclean thing. That's a very clear, definitive statement. We are all unclean. Just pare it down to that. And all our righteousness, that means you and I, there's no one left out of this, are as filthy rags. Now, this caught my attention. This caught my attention. Because we are an unclean thing. And our righteousness is like a filthy rag unto God. That means this had to be something that was considered for him to make this analogy. This means he was going back to something that they could equate with. This is something they would understand what is, how, I guess I'd say, how extreme is this comparison of what he's saying. 
The explanation I'll get to is in our righteousness. It is the deeds or acts that we are responsible for. Claiming ownership. Webster says it is the purity of heart, conformity of the heart, and life to the divine law. But the Bible takes it one step further. And I looked within Strong's and everything appears to me, if I'm wrong, I'm be willing to tell you that. But everything that is described in this passage of Scripture is more than just having a dirty dust rag back there and say, oh, I don't want to take a bath with it. The Bible takes it one step further and explaining that pollution is extended for every act that we do. And this applies specifically with what we think we can do without God. I want to make this statement that no good that we can do will ever supersede God and His ability to truly change a life. I can only be a friend. I can only be faithful. I can only be submitted. There's things that only I can do within my humanity. Only God can reach down and cleanse what is thought to be of the worst of the worst. And when you thought you had a good understanding of how God views our own righteousness, let's take a moment and look at this verse one more time. When we look at the word where it says, filthy rags. Now, this is not a topic I want to dwell on, but I will give you a verse of Scripture that will describe this, of what it's talking about in the context of Isaiah. As I said, it references back to the law. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 18. And if a man shall lie with a woman having her sickness, and shall uncover her nakedness, he hath discovered her fountain, and she hath uncovered the fountain of her blood, and and both of them shall be cut off, from among their people. In this chapter, the law is stating the punishment for sexual immorality. And in the midst of the scriptures that are given judgment for their vile acts, we find verse 18. Some of the judgments were talking about incest and all between family and bestiality and everything. And there's death. There's uh, people being cast out and separated away from the children of Israel. But in the midst of this, it talks about the unclean, the woman who has the fountain of blood that has come forth. And if they lie together, it is an unclean act. That is the same thing referenced back in Isaiah, the unclean cloth. It was so looked upon as being something that was dirty and filthy That if you don't understand the impact to the Jewish culture, that they would have to be set apart for so many days and go through a cleansing process. That is what we are without Him. There is nothing pure about us. There is nothing that I can say, but God, but I do this, and this is clean on me. He says, no, you're completely unclean. You cannot be touched. There is nothing that I can do to fix anybody else's problems. Everything that I touch is unclean. In this situation, if the woman sat on a chair, that was unclean. Laid in a bed, that was unclean. Clothes, unclean. And the rag it talks about, unclean. What we're talking about, there is nothing inside of us. Our righteousness is as a filthy rag. And we are all clothed in unrighteousness. When you look at how God views sin, our immediate reaction should be that we shun it. There is nothing clean about it. I talked about 
We may put on the garment, what we think is right, but it really is just revealing our true nature. And we are all clothed in sin. The world has placed an enormous burden upon each of us, one that we truly cannot bear. The weight of that burden drives the unsaved down a path of destruction and eternal damnation. And the devil wants nothing more than to secure eternal judgment upon every soul that walks upon the face of this earth. And I'm here to tell you that all may seem hopeless in your situation. And it does not have to stay that it, the way that it is right now. And I want to take you through a few more passages of Scripture to prove to you that God has a plan for your life. And I can tell you right now that God wants to pick you up. He wants to wash you in His blood. Here's what's different about the comparison of Leviticus and the bloods of, of, of bulls and goats and all the animals that are slain. The blood of Jesus purifies Everything it touches, it makes clean. And the beautiful part about it is, it still flows today. It's a fountain that we never want to run out. It's a fountain that we sing about, we praise about, we worship and pray to Him. Thank God for the blood of Calvary. That is the one that you want to be washed in and cleansed in and say, God, don't ever take me out of the fountain of blood. God has a plan for you. And more importantly, he wants to put the kingly robes upon you and place his name on your life. He wants to give you something that you can look at and say, I once was, but here I am now once again. I have been forever changed. Now I can say, yes, I deserve condemnation. Yes, I deserve to die in my sins. And the devil will tell you all the lies that he could drum up. But the Bible says, God forbid, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, let God be true, but every man a liar. And if we would apply this, this applies also to the devil, if I could use this example. If anything says anything to you, that is anything other than God, it's a lie. You're settling for something that God is wanting to say the contrary to. When he's trying to say, you're not worthy. You don't deserve this. You shouldn't be at a church this morning. Yeah, that's absolutely 100% true, and that applies to me. But God reached down, and he changed my situation. He gave me hope. He put a new robe on my new hand. He gave me a reason to lift my hands, a voice to rejoice. It's because of him. It's because the blood still flows. I would be foolish to think that I'm only just preaching to people who do not have the Holy Ghost because those same lies are told to every one of us when the devil tries to trip you up. And if I could just share with you, if the devil's attacking you, and I'll give you a personal example, if the devil's attacking you, it's for a very good reason. Every time, that I think about it and I stumble and I say, God, I can't believe this happened. I need your strength. It's within just a short amount of time where something come up and it says, I wish that hadn't happened because I would have handled that situation differently. The devil doesn't know the future, but he knows whose hand is on your life. And God is not stagnant. 
He's not sitting there letting mossy water replenish and sit there and just become a cesspool of sin. But he's pulling us deeper and greater into him. And the devil knows if he can trip you up, if he can give you an attitude, if you can give you those opportunities to walk in front of you and you're just like, I missed it. Reminded of a saying some of you may remember Mr. Lamont Cranston, he would talk about the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. Old time radio story from way back. But he would wear a cloak to hide himself and he would fight crime, make himself invisible because he had this, not invisibility cloak, but he had this magic that he could go into and he could slip into a room and he could fight crime and and he says, I would go and take care of this. And I would fight crime. Him and Margot Lane, heroes of the underworld. They would be on the outside of the police, but they would also be separate from the criminals. But he thought that he could go in and fight because he was wearing this cloak or this magic. But it didn't change him. They could still shoot and finally get him because he was still human. Don't think that just because you're full of the Holy Ghost that you cannot fall. Don't think that you can't, and I know that's, we may clarify, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, things are not as tempting, but we all have a flesh, and it's upon us to crucify that flesh every day. And the moment we give a chink in our armor, we give just that gap, the devil will, will go in and breach that gap, and he will use everything in his power to take you down. It may be, I can't believe he does that. They shouldn't do that. Who told them they could? And you never said a word to anyone else, but you have started taking off your armor and you've started taking off something that God gave you to protect you from the armor, from the arrows of the, of the enemy. Looking in the book of Zechariah, the book was written as an encouragement unto the Israelites to rebuild the temple. In his letter, it is calling them to action. And he shares that future blessings will come. But there has to be a right now response to the call. And they were not building just simply a structure. But they were building their future. And the prophet Zechariah had a vision showing Joshua the high priest and shares this passage in Joshua and Zechariah, I'm sorry, chapter 3 and verse 3. And in this passage, the vision is revealing that Israel would be cleansed and restored to the branch. And that branch is Christ Jesus. And in this, all throughout the book of Zechariah, you'll find numerous examples of the writer pointing towards Jesus Christ. But in this example in verse 3 of chapter 3, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. The plan was laid out that was to bring Israel back and to bring Israel to Christ and cleanse her out of the wrongdoing and make a bride that was presentable unto himself. 
And just as powerful as that promise is to Israel, the same promise has been made unto you today. It is your action that today will invest in your future in the kingdom of God. God wants to give you something that you didn't think you deserved. He wants you in his presence. Let him wrap you in his arms and make you one of his children. You see, he has something so valuable to give. It's the robe of a king. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. No matter what you have done, no matter how far you think you have gone, he can take care of everything. Going back to the chapter of which we read our text in Isaiah chapter 61, we'll read in verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the joy of mourn, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. I'm telling you, your future is rejoicing right now, knowing what is the potential for you this very morning. All you have to do is to act. He can take the righteousness that you possess, the unclean, and what we think we're doing well in life, and we've got everything together, but I'm here to tell you, it's as a filthy rag. There's nothing for us to be proud about until he touches us he plants us as a tree of righteousness and it is the planting of God that he may be glorified what a beautiful passage of scripture but you only get this if you're willing to be changed now you can say brother Goff it's not for me I'm happy where I'm at you can have yourself convinced of that. That's quite all right. That is your decision. But I am doing what God has laid upon my heart. The burden of the word that God has laid upon my heart. He is here to give you a new robe for your new man this morning. If you're tired of wrestling with the sins of this world, he's here to give you a new robe for your new man. He's wanting to move you into the Father's house. He's wanting to put a robe upon your shoulders. He's wanting to throw a feast in your presence and say, Welcome back, my child. And Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10. If you think this only applies for backsliders, it doesn't. It's because he pulled me out of a life of sin. I was lost in shame and I was so... Torn with the things that I let happen in my life. Even though I was a young man, Brother Hilton, sin still had a hold on my heart. Even though I never lived a day where I wasn't going to church and where I was like consistently missing church, I may have been sick or we may have been traveling, but I wasn't backslidden and living outside of the church and living on my own. But as a 16-year-old young boy, I'm here to tell you, sin took its toll upon my life. Nobody is exempt. If a young child can see their need for the need for the Holy Ghost, how is it that an adult can say, well, I just don't need it? The Bible asks us to become as children. If you don't know how to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, all you have to do is here in just a few moments, come here up to the front, or if you're not comfortable with that, lift your hands in the air. Because... When you lift your hands, 
We are surrendering 100% to him. I have nothing held back. I have nothing that I'm going to try to reach for. And Bishop talked about this the other day and it stuck in my mind. When I have heartedly lived, I'm leaving my resources within arm's reach. But when I say, God, I need you, the nearest thing to my heart is him. Nothing that I can pull out of my pocket and real quick address the need. I can't say, oh, well, you need this? Well, here's this. I'll, I'll grab this and, okay, that fixed that problem. Well, oh, I need something else. You're not trying to be a gunslinger living this life of sin. It's time to surrender. You've made it to this service. God is calling your number. He is saying, will you come? And in our text, he tells you what he'll do. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decked himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. I'm here to tell you, saint of God, I'm here to tell you someone without the Holy Ghost. God can reach down and change your very appearance. I'm not talking about holiness. I'm talking about your heart. The peace you think you have hidden from everybody else around you. But God has a searchlight and he's sweeping through this congregation this morning. He's saying, will anyone, will anyone, will one come to me and surrender their all? Will one come to me and bear their heart? Will one come to me and give everything to the Savior? You may be convinced, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to stay this way. There's a beautiful parable, the parable of the prodigal son. The story shows how much a father loves his son. In the story, he tells his son, you can have your inheritance and go and do what you will. He leaves the father's house. Every dollar spent, every friend that he thinks is important is now gone finds himself feeding the pigs. And he finds himself so hungry that he eats what they're being fed. I've never lived on a pig farm, but I've driven past one many, many, many times. As a young man, my parents, we would drive from Bonner Springs to DeSoto to visit family. We'd go out Loring Drive. We'd pass a pig farm right by the railroad tracks and by the river. And that thing stunk so bad. You knew exactly where you were at based upon the smell. And you have a young man. He wasn't to touch the pigs. Here he was living with them and eating what they ate. He had stooped from a Jew's perspective to the lowest of the low. And he came to himself and says, even the servants eat better than I. They're treated better than I am. And he says, listen, I will go back to the father's house. And I'm willing to just be a servant. I don't deserve anything. Even an Israelite who had gone to the lowest of the low came to himself and said, the only place that can fix my problems is the Father's house. And when he did, the Father seen him. And we come and we find this union. They come together and they're hugging. And 
The son says unto the father, I have sinned against thee in Luke chapter 15, verse 21. I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. I'm here to tell you, no matter what you've convinced yourself you have done, God is here today willing for you to come in and bow on your knee or lift your hands and just surrender and he'll throw a robe upon your shoulder. He'll put saints of God around you that will pray for you and help you and his spirit will come down into your heart and he'll say, I wish you to come sooner but I'm so glad you're here today. He is willing to sacrifice himself. As the fatted calf was slain for their benefit, we see the lamb from the very foundation of the world slain for your sins and that blood still flows today you may have convinced yourself he doesn't even know my name I've gone too far I have rejected him too many times let God place his robe of righteousness upon you allow him to reach deep within your heart and heal the pain that troubles you but you have to put on Christ you have to be willing to wear what he wants you to wear you have to be willing in this moments of submission that will stick with you for a lifetime you have to be willing to put on that new man and let him clothe you in his righteousness and you never want to take it off it's that newness of life that we want to have renewed day after day it's when we crucify the old man inside of us that wants to so destroy us and so consume us and get us distracted with everything in life. He says, just crucify it. And you'll feel that robe fall on your shoulders. And he'll call you son. He'll call you daughter. But you have to give God a chance. What's the worst that can happen? Your sins being washed away. Your life is forever changed. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you had peace in your heart? When was the last time you felt the love of God? He knows your name. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Everyone is welcome to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. If ye be Christ, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Every one of us in this house this morning, it would be a shame, it's a tragedy for you to go outside of the doors of this house and not get what you need this morning. 
You may be wondering how you can experience this precious gift of the Holy Ghost. If you've never spoken tongues, if you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you there is a way. It is clearly spelled out in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse 7. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it doesn't stop there, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, this morning's your moment to respond. If you need renewing, this morning is your moment to respond. All you have to do is the musicians come. All you have to do is listen to the voice of Jesus. Blessed are they that which do hunger and thirst at the righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's what Jesus said as we stand this morning. He wants to put a new robe on your new man. If you're sick and tired of the way you've been living, I have no peace, I have no comfort, I can't fall asleep at night. I'm waking up at all hours because I can't be satisfied with myself. God's here to say, listen, don't worry about it anymore. I've got everything under control. He has everything in the palm of his hands. Just let him put a new robe on your new man this morning. Can we lift our hands? Saints of God, can we touch heaven's door? Can we reach for the throne room of him? Asking God to continue to move in this service every heart that God is moving on. Hallelujah, I worship you, Savior. I thank you for a testimony, but God, I can't tell you about the countless times that you have renewed me, that you have filled me, that you pulled me out of the pig pen of life. I thank you, Master, lifting me out of a times of depression, a time of iniquity God hallelujah I worship you master let's come forward let's find us a place to pray let God reach down into your heart let him change you and make you new and fresh again how long has it been it's not just speaking in tongues but how long have you loved him so much that you're willing to give everything all over again hallelujah we worship you savior hallelujah hallelujah we worship you master your touch is in this house today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I worship you. Hallelujah. I want to leave a new man on this day, April 10th. I want to leave a new man. I want that to be my Holy Ghost birthday. I want to be filled with your spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah.